All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. Now, as we get going, remember where we're at. Remember that Jesus has been teaching us as he's been walking what it is to be a Christian or what it is to be his follower. And remember, he's traveling or he's walking towards Jerusalem. This isn't his last days, his last week. He's heading to face the cross. But as he's going there, he's continuing to teach us what it is that he would ask us to be as Christians. Now last week we had the sermon we learned about prayer. We learned that we are to never give up on praying, to always be persistent in prayer. Jesus used a story. Remember last week the story? He encouraged us through this story, reminding us of who we are. Reminding us that we are his children. We're not like that judge and the woman. But we have a personal relationship. And we have that intermediator, Jesus. So he hears our prayers. He reminded us, though, that we do. we got to be faithful in our prayers. Because if we're not faithful in our prayers, we're not faithful in keeping up with that communication with God, we can end up losing faith and losing hope. And even to the point sometimes of giving up. So we've got to keep that communication up with God. He gave us some examples last week. He showed us how to pray, remember? He also showed us an example of how not to pray. And after the end, we learned that just like that tax collector, we need to come to God with just a surrendered and humble heart. Now this week's sermon is a whole lot different. Today, it's an important message. A difficult message, though. Jesus wants to teach us about marriage and divorce. This is a sermon that um, maybe some would not choose. I don't know. Uh, kind of interesting. This happened just to fall on Father's Day as we were going through chronologically that we would learn about marriage today and what it is to how we, you know, instructions on marriage and divorce. So it is kind of difficult. And I think as we are a non-denominational church, there's many different denominations here. And as we get into some of these beliefs today, I bet you there's probably some differences of opinion. So, bear with me on some of this, and let's see what God's Word says, and try to stick to that today. So, since this message is on marriage and divorce, maybe some of your younger guys, you're like, huh? So, question is, I want you to raise your hand if you're married, first. Raise your hand. Alright, now raise your hand if you ever plan, keep your hands up. Whoever plans to get married? Who plans to ever get married? Come on. I'm assuming everyone here. What do you mean? You, someday. Well, so basically everyone should have their hand up. Because you're either married probably, or you're planning to get married. Or, there's one third option. But we'll get there. So this message that we have, even though it is directly on marriage and divorce, even if you're not married today, this directly applies to every single person here today. So don't feel excluded as I start this message, Okay. I think this subject of marriage and divorce is one of the... It's a difficult subject, especially in today's culture, even in Myanmar or some other countries. It's a difficult. It's, this is, marriage is one of the things that Satan, I believe, truly uses to destroy the work of Christians. I think that this is where we see that Satan will work his way into families, work his way into ministry. And he will use destruction of marriages to come between... The work that God has for us. So we've got to be so careful. This is such an important... This is, it's spiritual warfare. It's really what it is. It is truly spiritual warfare. And I think... 
I know it's true everywhere, right? This is one of the most common ways Satan will attack us is through our marriage and our relationships. I think it's even, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's even more true here in the field for a lot of us. You think about it. All the people that are serving here in this country, I see almost everyone here is serving some which way. How do you think that ministry could be disrupted easiest here? You say, wait me, what's the top three? I can tell you my personal top three, the, the most difficult things I've faced here, and even in the States, is marriage, my children, and health. That's not, for me, that's some of the things I've dealt with most that is probably the most difficult in ministry. But it's not just in ministry, it, it, it's all of our lives. Children, marriage, and our health. Now, I've had health problems. My wife has had health problems here in Myanmar and in the States. But I'll tell you that, between our marriage and our strength in our marriage, together we made it through that. We come together, we made it through. We st- and we stayed focused on what God has called us. Now, we've had and have hear me closely, difficulties in raising children. I, we have it here in this foreign country, and I'm sure we would have it in the States too. But together, my wife and I are learning and working through that together on how to raise children. Now, what would happen as a, as a family if I had any of these other problems? I only gave a few. There's a whole lot more we could probably come up with. But any of these problems, what would happen if any of these problems happened in my life while my marriage was having major problems. What would happen? If we had health issues when we were having major problems, if we had children, you know, raising our children, what would happen? This would probably lead us to leaving the field. And it doesn't have to be the field here. It would probably lead us to leave whatever God had purposed us to do. Whatever that is in your life. If it's teaching music, or if it's teaching at a school, or if it's pastoring a church, or if it's teaching computers... Whatever it is, if you don't have that firm, if you have problems there, it's, it's going to lead you away from that purpose God has called you to do. Now, realize, look at my wording I used when I said major. You see how I used that? I said, when I had major problems in my marriage. That's the way I said that. Because guess what? We all have problems within our marriage. So don't think none of us do. We all have to work through things each day. And marriage is constantly an ongoing Something we have to work on. We'll get into more of that as we get into the sermon. So I said major problems, which I've had that also in my marriage. But if we have a major problem the rest of our life, we're going to have other problems. So this applies to everyone again. So my question as we get going, before we even get into scripture, is how do you each view marriage? Because how you view marriage... Before you're even married, or after you're married, will determine how you care for your marriage. Keep that, that's the question. Keep that in mind. So I, my question again. How do you view marriage? Because your view will determine how you care for your own marriage. Whether now or in the future. So let's get into God's Word and learn from Jesus what He's got to say about marriage and divorce. Let's start Matthew 19, verse 3. i go back a page. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? 
over and over and over again. Jesus is having these religious leaders come up to him. And they're trying to trap him. They're trying to discredit him. They're trying anything they can to say something against his teachings. Get him to say something so they could stone him. So they could discredit what he was saying. You know, today it's, it's not any different. Satan today is still trying to constantly attack God's word. Satan today is still trying to attack the teachers of God's word. No different in Jesus' time is now. Maybe I'm sure a lot of us have experienced that as we go out. And, you know, maybe there's some reinsurance in that. As you face all the different spiritual attacks and the different problems we face, maybe there's some reassurance of that. Kind of strange to say that, but if we are under attack by Satan and you see spiritual warfare in your life, be reassured you are probably walking in God's will and doing what God's purpose you to do. That's a tough one, right? So the more Satan's pouring out in your life, the more he's attacking you, very possibly the more you're staying and walking in God's will. Now, don't hardline on that. But if you are never experienced spiritual warfare, if you don't even know what spiritual warfare is, and you're like, what is he even talking about? Start doing God's work. You'll find out. Now, I'm sure these Pharisees, if you looked at this story, I'm sure they probably convened before. They had already been talking on the sidelines. They see Jesus, what's going on. They're like, how can we catch up Jesus? How can we trip him up? What way can we, try, what questions can we ask him to try to get him to trip up on his words or say something that we could accuse him of something? And as you look at the question, it really wasn't an honest question. Look at it. This wasn't an honest question by a follower of God seeking clarity on how to live as a follower of God on marriage and divorce. They weren't like, wow, Lord, what is the answer to this? Like, we're here today trying to really learn about marriage and divorce. This wasn't the case with these people. They were just trying to cause trouble for Jesus. This happens today, right? You guys get questions like this today? I get them all the time sometimes. Um, Satan loves questions like this that bring division within the church and within the church body. That's what this... Now, there's real honest questions and a real discussion we're going to have about marriage and divorce, but that's not why they brought the question to the table. They were trying to cause division and problems. Now, in this day, if you look at this question of marriage and divorce, in this day, there's two main views in the Jewish culture. And when it came to divorce, there was two major thoughts. It came from two different rabbis. I can't pronounce either one of their names, so I'm not going to try. Um, they have different interpretations of what the law stated. So we're going to look, turn to Deuteronomy... Way back. Deuteronomy 24.1 Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away from his house. Now, you read that, right? You can read different versions if you'd like. There's different interpretations in that day, and I'm sure today, of what that scripture means. There was really two in that day. So we're going to look at these two. One read that and interpreted that the only reason or cause for divorce would be marital unfaithfulness. Adultery. And that would be the only reason for divorce was one theme of thought from one rabbi. But there was another one, a much more liberal view. And another rabbi taught that, and this is the one everyone really probably liked and clung to, of course, that a man could divorce his wife if she did anything that he disliked. Even if she burned his food while cooking it. Or 
This is true. Or if her looks were no longer pleasing to him. So this was the other. Two big different views, right? Now this question of divorce, this explanation, this is still happening today. It's still happening. It's a topic of discussion within our church today and outside the church. It really hasn't changed. People are still arguing about divorce. What is justification for a divorce? What are the means? So I ask you guys, what do you, what do you think about divorce? Maybe you're wondering, looking up here, well, what do you think? What are you going to say about it? Is divorce a sin? Is it permissible under certain conditions or circumstances? If so, what is justification for divorce? Is there justification given in God's Word? Are the rules for men and women different for divorce? Some questions? By what authority determines what's wrong and right in a divorce? Is it the pastor's authority? Is it the church's authority? Is it a judge? How do we seek wisdom in this difficult subject that has probably been debated since the beginning of time? What does the Bible say about that? What does it say about divorce? Now, we just read that verse. What about the different people's interpretation of the Bible concerning divorce? Who's right? Was it that rabbi? Was it this rabbi? Was it this pastor today? Or was it another pastor today? Who's right and who's wrong in this subject? It's a difficult subject, but we're going to get into it. So let's start. Turn back to Matthew. A lot of questions. Matthew 4 through 6. Ready? Let's hear from Jesus. He's going to answer back. Ready? Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning... God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus doesn't start giving his opinion as a man, does he? Here's what I think. He immediately says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Points him right to God's word. Right away. He quotes Genesis there. We're not going to look it all up. He takes him way back, even before the law of Moses. And he wants to he wants everyone to look. Look at God's original intention for man and woman. What God has joined together, let no man separate. To put this answer in the simplest terms, God's idea that divorce, God's idea is that divorce should never happen. Marriage is until death. That was God's original intention. So let's start with that clarity there. That was his original intention. Now this is a command from God. This isn't one of the, like, sometimes you see in the picture, you know, Paul talks about it. This is something I feel. Not necessarily. This is a command from God. This is not one of the author's suggestions. And this isn't just in the New Testament. All right, sorry, in the Old Testament, right? Because you see a lot of stuff in the Old Testament. You're like, well, we don't really do that anymore. Do this. No, this is all over the New Testament from Jesus. In fact, I, but I just want to look at one. And this is from, this is in Ephesians. So from Paul, turn to Ephesians 5.31. I turned right to the page. Isn't that weird when that happens? I forgot to actually mark my Bible today. Ephesians 5.31. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined 
to his wife. And the two are united in one. We can see in this passage that marriage is so much more than just a piece of paper by today's courts. And this, this is an example. We start to see this example how Christ and the church are one. And it's through this example of marriage that we see that take place. I just love it as I look at this and we look at these scriptures. And we turn back to Matthew. As we see how Jesus responds by the people by going straight to God's word. What an example for us. A perfect example. When we are asked questions by people, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Well, let's see what God's word says. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Because, you know, I'm going to tell you. Some people ask me some things about like certain subjects and I have a different opinion. If it was my perfect little world, I'd be, oh yeah, that's okay. That's not what God's Word said, though. You've got to stick to God's Word. Even when we don't agree with it. It's still God's Word. And there's a lot of difficult questions people ask, especially in the culture. Myanmar's coming up on some real big questions. The states have been pressing it, but I'll tell you one that's going to come up to Myanmar even more and more. Is homosexuality a sin? How do you answer that? It's coming. Myanmar is coming up quick. Maybe someone will ask you, is Jesus the only way to heaven? How do you answer that? Is all this written in the Bible true? What about these crazy stories of Jonah? How do you answer that? I tell you, we need to answer like Jesus. And we need to get in God's word. And we need to say, what does the Bible say? Because if we are in God's word, quoting God's word, we know this is factual and this is true. We need to, so many times, you know, if they ask these difficult questions, we can share our opinion but our answer more and more just needs to be sharing what God has said and the truth of the scripture. And the Holy Spirit will use that much more than he can use our opinion. Show them what it says, and then they have a choice at that point to either believe what God's word, believe what the Bible says, or they may choose not to. I don't know. But if they have the truth in front of them, they can make a decision whether they believe or not. And then the question for us, a lot of us know what God's word said. We know the truth to these answers. And a lot of people out there know the truth. The truth is, though, do they, they, they see it, they know it's in there, but do they follow its instructions? whole different subject, really. Let's get back to the passage. What does it mean when Jesus or God joins something together? What does that mean? I looked it up to give a brief description, and it says literally to glue to or to adhere too closely. A bond that becomes so tight, the two become one. Now, I'm going to grab this coffee cup. Those of you, take, take out your coffee cups, fathers. Take them out. It's really nice how we got that decal on there, right? Now look at that decal. When I bought these cups, they were pure white. Alright? We took a PDF file and they, they baked it on there. Look at that. Can you ever get that decal off of there? They were too. Yesterday. They were a piece of paper with a sticker on it and a white coffee cup. And they took them in a little heater and they put it together. And look, is there any way you can remove that now? You could, I mean, you could take like a drill or a file and you could probably try to chip it all off of there. It'd make, oh man, it'd make a mess. I, you know what would happen to the cup if you tried it would break. There's no way that cup's coming away whole, is it? Even if you chipped all the letters off, there's no way. That cup's coming, it's going to be damaged. Probably not very useful. Maybe not. Maybe so. There is no way you could separate that lettering off that cup. 
without causing severe damage, very possibly breaking the cup. No longer useful to its original purpose that God has for us in marriage. I was amazed how well they did on them cups, though. There's no way that's coming off. I was like, when they put that sticker on, someone put a sticker on, I'm like, that ain't going to hold up. Then they took it off, and it's like, it's part of the cup. It's like embedded together. I don't know how they did it, but it's pretty cool. This is what it means when we're married. You can't tear that apart. It will never be the same. It is impossible to separate this cup or our marriage without severe damage. It will never, ever, ever be the same again. So we've got to remember that. Now the leaders then and today, many people today, they don't always want to accept what God's word exactly says, right? I mean, we hear, I ask a difficult question about homosexuality, about marriage, about divorce, go on and on with all these different questions. They don't want to, they know what it says, but they don't want to accept it. So they try to come up with loopholes or ways to try to maybe work around it to justify what's going on. These people today, it's not known, it's no different in Jesus' time as it is today. Let's look at verse 7. This is, they're asking, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. They wanted to get into a debate with Jesus. They thought they had caught Jesus. They thought they had tripped him up. They thought they caught him speaking against the law of Moses. They were trying to trap him. Now remember, already looked at the verse in Deuteronomy. It's true, Moses has given this law, which would allow for divorce. That's true. But there's a lot of questions as we look at that to the intent of that law and the interpretation of that law and why. Just why? Why was this law even given? Why did Moses bring this up? Jesus is going to answer it. I like that. I don't have to answer it. Jesus is going to answer it. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus takes this discussion that they're trying to have with him, as they're trying to find loopholes, and takes it right back to God's original intent on marriage. And he explains why Moses has made this exception for divorce. And this was not a command, but a permission. It's a difference. The practice of marriage in God's eyes fell short from the original intention. The same is true today. This has not changed any. Jesus said that Moses' law only, it was only given because of people's hardened hearts. Permanent marriage was always God's intention. But, but, here we are man. Sinful man, right? Because of our sinful nature, divorce is inevitable. It's going to happen in our society. It's going to happen. Divorce is going to happen. It did happen. So Moses, because of this, because of our sinful nature, that we could not uphold to God's intentions, Moses came up with the law to help the people of that day. Mainly, I believe, the women in that culture. Because they were at the biggest disadvantage in this situation. Maybe even possibly today. 
This would have stuck a woman in a very bad position. Imagine she burns the guy's breakfast, whoop, out on the street. Or she gets a little bit older, up oh, out on the street. And they were doing this. And they were doing this within the Jewish community. So Moses just came up with this law because he knew this wasn't right. This law prevented a man from just throwing his wife out. He had to write a formal letter of dismissal. This was a really a radical step, even in Moses' time, for women's rights. It made men had to think twice then about letting their wives go or about divorcing them. Because if this, with this letter, to the, there would actually be some liability for it, even back then. So this was the first step to try to protect women because men were divorcing their wives for no reason. And this was never with God's original intention. Never, never, never. But through our sinful nature, it did happen. So Moses was trying to do something about it. Now, let's look at some different, another response to this. It's the same question, but let's look at Mark chapter 10. Jesus answered them with a question. What did Moses say in the law about divorce? Well, he permitted it. They replied, he said, a man can give his wife with a written notice of divorce and send her away. Uh, verse, yeah, verse 5. But Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. We've just looked at this, this exception here. But I want to be so clear, absolutely clear. God's intention on marriage is it to be forever. Now, when hard times come in your marriage, there's a lot of married people here, and those that plan to get married, I'm telling you, hard times will come. Uh, I probably quote it I've been married coming up on 22 years. Been together 24. So, not as long as some maybe, but long enough to know that I've walked through some extremely difficult times in my marriage. My point of this marriage, this message, and one thing I've learned about being married is when you're having these hard times, you need not to be looking for the reasons to leave, but you need to be concentrating on how you're going to stay together. Working out problems in a marriage is the only biblical solution, other than adultery, if adultery has been part of that. But even if adultery has occurred, there may be an exception for that. It may be permissible, but it's not necessarily advisable. It's not necessary. So think about that also. This is hard to accept, right? Some of this is difficult. Some of you younger people are maybe like the disciples. The disciples are really young in this. They're looking at this forever. Forever means forever, like all my life. What if I don't like her later, right? Maybe this is hard. Let's look at verse 10 and see what they got to say about it. Back to Matthew. I love the disciples. Jesus' disciples said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. Isn't that funny? These guys are cracking up. Why did the disciples find this command so difficult? Why do people today find this commandment to remain married so difficult? Now there's part of the discussion that Matthew leaves out. And I want you guys to kind of know the whole story because you see the disciples asking Jesus this question, right? But I want you guys to, just to turn to Mark because I want you to see the other part of the story that 
Matthew left out. Because I want you to see how they ask and when they ask this question to Jesus. Because I think it's kind of a little lesson in this. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 verses 10 through 12. Later when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. He told them, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. So you see, Mark gives a little more of the story. So the disciples did question Jesus and they wanted an explanation and then they made this comment. But if you look at the whole story uh, through the different uh, gospels, you see that actually the disciples after the teaching came up to Jesus later and said, please explain this. It's a great, it's a great little lesson in there, a little mini lesson within the sermon there. Um, do you see the, Yeah, it's just amazing. I, I, it's nice to know that part. So how would you respond to the disciples' statement here? Not everyone can accept the statement. How would you respond to this? Is it better not to get married because the commitment is so great? Let's see what Jesus has to say to him. Verse 11. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those who God helps. I love that. Jesus explains it is a choice to get married. But if you are going to remain married, fulfill your commitment... It is only through the help of God that you will be able to do that. There's a little marital advice. We can't do this alone. We will have problems in marriage. It is only through the Holy Spirit and God that we can continue in the marriage as God has designed. Let's look at verse 12. Some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others. And some chosen not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Now, eunuchs. This term eunuch, in this case, these are true people. These are real people in Jesus' time. But this term is also used figuratively for us. It's basically used anyone that would voluntarily abstain from marriage. Jesus is giving three kinds of examples here. Three different eunuchs in this case. So the first one would not be able to be married because physically they would be incapable. I'll let you read between the lines. The second example he gives here is something that's happened to that person. So they would be incapable of being married. And this time this happened during slavery times and different things. I'll let you read between the lines on that. There's a third one. You see it. They have chosen to dedicate their life solely to serve the Lord. Paul talks about this a lot. Now, it's clear here, and you can read in the other scriptures, this would be extremely difficult for most of us due to the God-given desires that we've been given to remain single. It is an option, right? God, Jesus gives us an option. But anyone considering this lifestyle should really, really seek the Lord in this because this, is a, this would be a very difficult choice. And as we get into this, and you see the truth about marriage and maybe not being married... There's something else with it. It's celibacy. Celibacy is only the acceptable, what's only acceptable alternative to marriage. So if you're going to choose not to be married, you're choosing this other life, which would be extremely difficult. And so you'd have to. I do know people that chose that, and it's a special calling from the Lord. And it's a very, very. I, I couldn't do it. I'm definitely marriage was the option for me. Let's look at three more verses. 13 through 15. 
got to end with the children, right? One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering them. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. So we have just had a kind of intense discussion. Jesus just had this intense discussion. And then parents bring their children. Kind of a way to end that. But as you see in this story, as these parents bring their children up to Jesus, we see that the disciples are kind of refusing the kids, shooing them away. Saying basically, Jesus is too busy to see your kids right now. He's got this important discussion going on about marriage and divorce. Come back some other time. Don't bother us with these children. And you see right there, Jesus just rebukes them. And it reminds us and the disciples that Jesus loves the children. Because they are our perfect example of teaching us what our faith is to be like. That we are to have that childlike faith. What a change of topic, huh? But as we close here, remember the question I asked at the beginning. How do you view marriage? Because how you answer this question will determine how you care for your marriage. We can see you could get a divorce in Jesus in this time. Whether it was a sin, you could do it. Just the same as today, you can go get a divorce. You could do that. Divorce is never what God intended in any time or any situation. But we as people are sinful. We've not always followed God's instructions, have we? So what about us today? Maybe there's some in here even that have been divorced. Maybe there's some that have been divorced and are remarried now. Maybe you're married, but your spouse was married and divorced before. Or maybe you're wondering if you can ever remarry because you've been divorced. Many questions. Some of these answers to these questions are very difficult. Some of them are very difficult to accept. We must know and understand God's original intention for marriage. That's where we have to start on these questions. And know that all of us, in all of our lives, have fallen short of the glory of God. And it is through Jesus Christ and His grace and mercy that we're covered. Maybe we've made some mistakes in this area of our life. Maybe there's some here today that are not living as they should be living before marriage. Maybe... You did this before you knew Jesus? Or maybe you've done this after you knew Jesus? Let's just take a minute, remember what God's intentions are, and turn from this, whatever it is, and remember what God desires and His intentions are for each one of us. We know we are redeemed through Christ's blood. I don't want you guys to ever forget that. Because if some of you may be here that are dealing with some of this, we have redemption. Don't ever mistake that. We have redemption. We have received the grace and mercy from our Lord Jesus. And we have that in all areas of our life, including divorce. I do believe, and I'll tell you this is a controversial issue, but I'm going to tell you my belief. This is my belief. 
That once a person is in a second marriage, and it's already occurred, already occurred, it would be further sin to break it up. Some people would disagree with that. I'm adamant about it. The second marriage should not be thought of as continually living in sin. It is not adultery if a man and woman are now married together, not to anyone else. A commentary I read said it this way. Remember what Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7.17. 7, As the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. In the context, one of Paul's ideas with this statement was a warning about trying to undo the past in regard to relationships. God tells us to repent of whatever sin there is and then move on. If you are married to your second wife after wrongfully divorcing your first wife and become a Christian, do not think you must leave your second wife and go back to your first wife. Trying to undo the past as the Lord has called you Walk in that right place now, today. He explained that probably better than I could. So how does this lesson that we look at this affect us today? What about us that are sitting here, most of us probably, married, never been divorced? How does all this affect us today? If we truly believe our marriage vows that each one of us took, and we believe God's word, quote, divorce is not an option. <laughs> Don't mistake, divorce is not an option. So knowing that divorce is not an option, this will affect our view on our marriages today, this very hour, and how we work through our marriages. We must work through our problems, seeing there is no other choice but to work through our problems with our spouses. Because our marriage is for our entire life. It's what God has joined, no one is to break apart. We must believe and understand that when we are married, we do become one flesh. And we need to apply that truth to our relationships, to our marriages. And if we do apply this, if we start to understand this, this will greatly affect each of our marriages today and how we walk through the problems that we face within our marriage. Yes, we will face problems within our marriage. We must understand that we are one flesh. We are connected spiritually by God. And it's because because of this, if one of us is hurting or one of us is unhealthy in some way, whether it be physically, spiritually, or both, we're both to be affected. And I see that within my marriage. We need to take care of our spouses. Because in doing this, we're also taking care of ourselves because we are one. There's a great responsibility in a marriage. And today being Father's Day, the husband and the relationship... I am accountable for my wife's well-being. I am accountable that she is in God's Word, that she is walking with the Lord, that she is in a good place. Now, today's society, I think a lot of people can see divorce as an option when things are difficult. One guy said it this way, divorce cannot be seen as a ready option when things are difficult in a married life. Marriage is like a mirror. It reflects what we put into it. If no one, if one or both partners has divorce readily in their mind as a convenient option, divorce will much more be likely. Now maybe I asked a lot of questions today, today's sermons, right? A lot of what ifs, what ifs, you know, what do you do with this? I'm not going to get into a lot of the answers. Maybe what are the acceptable reasons for a divorce, you're saying? I didn't, you know, I asked some of the questions. I think our focus 
needs to be on our marriages and staying in them and restoration of our relationships than these maybe acceptable reasons to get out. We need to remember that our marriage are to be as God has intended. One analogy I was trying to think, and this is probably especially true for guys. I don't know ladies will be able to appreciate my analogy as much. Think of one thing in your life that you've worked really hard to get. Maybe it's a car. I don't know. Maybe it's... No, I don't know. I, whatever. One thing. One thing I, I, I thought of was my car. I, I really like having a car here in Myanmar. Now, cars, as you know, require a lot of maintenance. They're a pain. You always got to upkeep them. Then you get flat tires. Things go astray. You blow out tires. You get into accidents. Other people come and hit your car. That's happened to me four times. Uh, so you have all these things that happen, right? Now, what if that car was the only car you were ever going to have, and you had to keep that car for your entire life? How would you treat that car? How well would you maintain that car if you knew that was the only car you would ever have your entire life, and that's all you're going to have? How well would you maintain it? Would you would you treat it the same way that you treat it now for those that you that have a car? I, I see my car as kind of disposable, honestly. I'm like people hit it. I'm like whatever, it's God's car, you know. Our marriages are not disposable. We, if we're going to have something for our lifetime, we need to maintain that. We need to pour into it daily. When we, there's maintenance in marriage. There's problems. There's blowouts on the side of the road, just like in a car. It happens. Do you view that though? That you know, I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. I need to do whatever it takes to work this through this. So what would you change in your marriage if you view it that way? That it is forever. What maintenance do you need to be performing in your marriage? Maybe you need a whole over engine overhaul. I don't know. Maybe you just need to take it for a date. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Your marriage is forever. What, view it that way. You need to maintain, it's maintenance. It's just like a car, you need to maintain it. Change oil once in a while, I don't know. So, are you taking care of your marriage so it well lasts a lifetime? Marriages, it's something that we have to do each and every day. I'll tell you right now, if I don't maintain my car, if I don't change the oil, and I don't put fuel in it, and I don't put tires on it, it's going to leave me stranded on the side of the road. Our marriage will do the same to us. Um, it's difficult. You know, I... I as a newlywed, and I mean, even five years into my marriage, I never imagined marriage would be work. I just never, I didn't grasp that. I didn't realize how hard relationships could be. It's the most rewarding, the best thing I've ever had in my life, but you have to maintain that, and we do that through the help of God. He said it. Jesus said it right there. We can't do this alone. And, uh, you know, as we talked about the hard times, I talked about them. You know, something the hard times are going to face, we're going to face. You know, problems with our children. I mean, that's a big one for us. Especially, you know, problems with your health. Maybe you're going to pay financial problems. There's problems. It's, we live in a fallen world. But if your marriage is on the rocks and you face these problems, you're up for a rocky road. First and foremost, protect your relationship with your spouse. Because all these other things are going to happen. But we can really protect that relationship. So as I preach this, I'm preaching to myself. Maybe you see me on Facebook. I had two dates last couple weeks with my wife. I wonder why. It's so easy to get wrapped up in all these things in the world and all the things God's got for you and all the, all the plans. Don't forget your spouses. Don't forget them. 
maintain that relationship or you, you don't ever want to be asking these questions. Well, what about divorce? Let's just not go there. It's not acceptable. This is forever. So those of you that are thinking about ever being married, serious, serious thing here. Serious thing. I didn't realize it when I got married. I don't think any of us truly realize it. But please consider that. That person that you are courting, that person that you are dating, look at them closely. Because that's forever. In your lifetime. So if the worship team could please come up. I thank you. I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Interesting subject today. I just go verse by verse through the Bible. We ended up on marriage on Father's Day, marriage and divorce. Appropriate subject for both of us, male and female, husbands and wives. So I just I thank you guys all for coming today. Let's go out. I was sharing as we're working through James on Tuesday about how to walk as a Christian. Well, today, as this week, take your wife, take your husband on a date. That's my instructions. Go out to dinner with them, get a babysitter, do whatever you got to do. Go out, spend some time with them. Maintain your relationship. Just like you maintain your relationship with God. We talked about prayer last week. You got to maintain that relationship with God through prayer. You got to maintain your, your relationship with your spouse. There's lots of ways to do it, but start doing something. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this advice on marriage and divorce. Thank you for making it clear of your intention for all of us, Lord, that you've made us one. And that is an example that you've given us is our relationship with you in the church. So, Lord, as some of us are in different stages in our lives, whether single, married, or wherever we're at, Lord, let's just seek you for answers within our relationships. Let us rest upon you and your promises, Lord, that you will give us strength when we fail in our relationships. That you will show us wisdom. We don't have the answers within our relationships, Lord. But let us just seek out that our marriages, Lord, are sacred. And just never let us forget that, Lord. Let us spend time nurturing, taking care of our relationships, Lord. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you as we go out this week. Let us just love on our spouses, Lord. And happy Father's Day to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.